BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Already Friends. This is Kara. And this is Allison. Today, we are continuing with our Eight Dimensions of Wellness series with a nutritional wellness episode. We have Liv Kaplan on. She is a nutritionist and recipe developer based in Sydney, Australia. She is a friend of Allison's, an internet friend, now turned in real life friend. And she's so amazing. I cannot wait for you guys to hear our interview with her. She dives into so many different topics. We talked about high protein diets, cutting out sugar. We talked about intuitive eating and her thoughts on that kind of trend. And I really loved our conversation. Conversation. I feel like we took it all the way full circle with nutrition, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. But first, as always, we're going to quickly share our peaks of the week, listeners' peaks of the week, and then we'll bring love on. Okay, perfect. My peak, I'm going to say, is that I just got a new mattress today. It got delivered. Very exciting. We invested in a sleep number mattress. I can't remember I talked about this a week or two ago, but yeah, we are. We pulled the trigger, and since we're getting married, I guess in like less than three months. We're like, I guess we can upgrade our, I think our mattress was 12 or 13 years old. It was a very, it was a hand-me-down, which was perfect for when we moved in here. But Connor has had like three hip surgeries in his life and he just deserves to have a good, nice quality mattress. So I cannot wait. We're going to sleep on it for the first time tonight. It literally just came an hour ago. Wow. Yeah. So I'll keep you guys posted on whether or not they're worth the hype. Million dollar question off of all of our mattress conversations from last week. Did it come in a box? No, unfortunately, (laughs) like these two men had to carry it up our stairs. Guys, it was actually such a nightmare. Like our house is over 100 years old and it is so hard to get stuff up the stairs. You've been here. It's a narrow turn. No, there's like two, three turns. It's like a U kind of shape and it's so narrow. We literally had to unscrew the rails from our staircase. So we have no rails on the stairs right now. And it barely fit. It was a king. Yeah, it's a king. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Did they take the other mattress out or did you have to do that? No, thank goodness. It was an extra $50 for the two guys to take the mattress out. And at first Connor said no. And when we left after we bought the mattress, I'm like, are you sure? Like that was $50. That is not that much money. I feel like there's no way we were getting it down. And they took it down today because we just called them back and said, we do want to get that feature. And these poor guys, like it was, they were miserable. So I tipped them extra because they just... It was not an easy process. I don't know how I can explain it, but I mean, you get it, Allison. It's just not, 
a very well set up stair situation. I'm really glad that they had that service option for you. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Shove it out the window? <laughs> I know. I was like ready to suggest that, even though I don't even think it would fit out the window. But I was ready to be like, have we tried the window? <laughs> do we need to bust it out the front of my house? Unlike you, I'm sorry that you had to carry the mattress up yourself. I, I just had to sit <laughs> on the couch. And oh my so. God, the worst part. You know how my stepbrother's moving into the room that I got the new mattress for? Yeah. He started moving in this morning and he goes, can I get a different bed? I was <gasps> like, sir, the work I went through, he's like this. It's just too big. It's like taking up too much room. I'd rather just have a twin so he can like have all his plants. I was like, we'll discuss in two weeks. <laughs> you need to let this sit. Yeah. This is a month two decision because the work that you went through to get that mattress into your apartment. I know. Built the whole Ikea bed frame too, which is always oh. a whole journey. Yeah. So I was like, we're going to keep that. I don't know you didn't say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, that's my peak. What's your peak? My peak is that someone asked me to be their wedding coordinator, just the day of wedding coordinator this summer. Amazing. And I haven't done that for years, maybe five, six years. And they were like, I know you don't do this anymore, but I used to work with them. And they were like, I just, you're the only person person that like I know is going to do it just how I want, but also let me do it how I want it and not be overbearing. And I was like, honestly, yes, I'm so down. And then I was kind of thinking about it. And I was like, that'd be fun to do a couple of those this summer, because now with 1404, I don't have to be there every single weekend to where with New Wave, mm -hmm. that was why I had to stop doing that because I obviously had the store open every weekend and weddings are basically always on the weekends. And now I'm like, certainly take on a couple of those. That's awesome. Okay. For Thanks. a formal announcement, if you're getting married, how can they contact you? Email probably. Allisonweddig at gmail.com. I love that. Where's the wedding at? Here. So yeah, we haven't like signed a contract or anything, but even just being asked, you know, like, yeah, it's good to be thought of that of all the people in the world that someone wants to hire you for something. And I think that's a good reminder for anyone, no matter what you do. Like if someone wants to hire you to walk their dog or I don't know, like there's a lot of options out there. Yeah. And they picked you. They picked me. Yes, they did. So. And even just anyone <laughs> that's listening. Yeah. You're like, and they picked me. No, for anyone listening that is getting married, you should definitely have a wedding day of coordinator or a wedding planner that's doing that role. Because otherwise, it's your photographer, and not every photographer is a good ringleader, production, being on time, scheduled person. And I appreciate that some photographers are willing to take that on. And I, I love mm -hmm. that they build the schedule and do coordinate that. But sometimes they shouldn't have to do all of that. Like, that's a whole nother right. job. I agree. Especially the really good creatives. They're not always the most organized. Yeah. And I would want my wedding photographer to focus on the photos. Yeah. And let someone else focus on what order the food is coming out on the buffet table. Yeah. Okay, cool. Listener's Peaks? Listener's Peaks. Oh, I'm going to start with Jillian. This is amazing. Celebrating my six months of sobriety. Congratulations. Madison said her peak was Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras to everyone who celebrates. Hope everyone's having fun celebrating. And on the other end of the spectrum from the sobriety one, Nicole said, got high and went to the aquarium with my best friends. LOL. We also love that too. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> floats your guys' boat. And finally, another one that ties into this time of the year. Megan said, I made a homemade Valentine's Day brunch for my friends. So cute. As always, send in your peaks of the week on our Instagram story box at Podcast every Monday. And make sure to follow us. Make a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Send that to us on Instagram and we'll get you entered to be Listener of the Week. All right. And getting into our guest, I am so delighted that Liv Kaplan could come on today. I followed her way back when I first got TikTok. I just loved how calming but beautiful her cooking videos are. And she really helped me 
overcome my fear of thinking cooking is the hardest thing in the world, which is still a work in progress. But you'll hear today, she has a very simple approach to nutrition. And I think that that's just what a lot of us need to hear is that it doesn't have to be this big, complicated thing. Food can be easy and fun and simple. And... Yeah, honestly, I'm just a fangirl of her and she followed me back for I don't know what reason because I don't know, but I loved it and we've just stayed connected ever since. Liv is a holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed healthy chef. She is obsessed with waking up every single day, happy to be alive and excited for the day ahead. She specializes in sugar-free and gut-friendly recipes with a focus on the magic of real food. When it comes to wellness, it's all about what you can have and not what you can't have. So without further ado, here is Liv Kaplan. Hello, Liv. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so glad that we finally made it happen. It's literally been about a year in coming. <laughs> We've been trying to have you on. Yes, you're seriously one of our dream guests. We've been wanting to have you on probably since the beginning of the show. So we are so happy to have you here. And thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for having me. It's such a huge compliment. And I'm glad we could finally make this work. I think it'd be best if we start off with your background. Let the listeners get to know you a little bit on a personal level. Oh my God, I could go on for ages, but I've always been really interested in health and wellness. I grew up in Sydney in Australia, which is why it took us a while to make a time that worked for everyone. It's a very sort of outdoors beach culture here, which I have loved. Always been very into wellness, even from like a very young age. Like I always think back to, this is like pre-social media, pre-Instagram, when like you were kind of a bit of a weirdo, like wellness wasn't a trend at all. So it's so funny for me to see now where it is and where my career is because not to be that person that's like I discovered the band first, but like I've really been doing this for a long time. And then naturally when I went to university, which is what we call it here, I studied, I actually first studied a different degree. I studied genetics. And then after a year, I was like, wait, I always wanted to do nutrition. I just going to study that. I had no concept of career or work. I just followed whatever interests me. And kind of since then, I've just sort of taken each year as it comes. I've never had a huge amount of plans or really know what I'm doing, but I've just followed my passions and it's led me here, which is some time later, but I, I love what I do and I work in wellness and health and food. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. Your official bio is nutritionist and recipe developer, correct? Yes. Could you talk about that and what that all entails? Because that is such a cool job. Yeah. I mean, I find it hard to sometimes describe my job to people, which I'm sure you guys can relate to because you just do like a whole bunch of different things. It's kind of not like a one sentence. Like I always say to people, people that I don't know really well, I'll say when they say, what do you do? I'll say I'm a nutritionist. But my partner always laughs because it's so not really descriptive of what I do, like more in content and do recipe development. So yeah, I can go into a bit of that. Basically, when I finished uni, I had no idea what I wanted to do at all as a career. I didn't even really know what my qualification was, what you could do. I had no idea. So I went into trying to do some internships. And the first job that I got was a recipe assistant role at a health blog. And so I figured, cool, I've got a degree in nutrition. Like you didn't really need that for the role, but I had it and it was related. And I was like, the job is making recipes for a blog. And I was like, that sounds like the coolest job ever. So that's where I started. It's a pretty hectic job, like, and it's sort of evolved along a lot since then. In terms of back then, it was like, you had to organize like proper shoots at studios and with photographers and stylists and do these quite hectic recipe development processes. Whereas now it's all like on a phone and really that's what people want. So the job's quite different now. 
And originally I was doing it for sort of clients. So that would be like websites, blogs, supplement companies, food companies, but your kind of back end. So no one really knew who I was. My job was really just to create the recipe and test it and make sure it worked, which is quite a lot of process that goes into that, which I didn't know. And yeah, I did that for a long time. That was what I did as my kind of main money-making thing while I built up my social media presence. And then now I only do recipes for myself, which is really interesting. So I've moved from doing recipes, kind of a faceless recipe just for a brand or a company. And now I do recipes by me and sort of have my flair and my control and, and are part of my business and my content strategy. Well, thinking back to pre-social media days and how much that role has changed, do you find now that you just shoot content on your phone, do you feel like it's so easy compared to what you had to go through before? Definitely. It's different. Like I loved doing, I learned a lot working with photographers and doing shoot production and all that stuff. But, you know, it's funny when people still kind of want that more professional stuff and there's a time and place for it. Like if you're doing, I don't know, some kind of hectic campaign, but these days, most people want more real life stuff. And sometimes I get a brief where they want me to like move all the stuff in my kitchen, like my coffee machine and my probably like dirty dishes that are drying, which I'm happy to do. But I'm always like, that's actually what people like to see because they want to see themselves in the recipe. Otherwise, they can't relate to it. You think back to like those BuzzFeed tasty recipe videos where it's just like hands and like a overhead shot where there's no personality, no life in there. That was really of that time, like sort of seven years ago. And now nobody wants that because it's just soulless. That's so true. I feel like that's how I like learned to cook. And my fiance, he for sure him, he literally learned how to cook from those tasty videos. You're so right. I didn't even think about that. The kind of content in the food space has transitioned. It's so much more about the person cooking it, them telling stories, their home, like you said. That's so true. And I feel like for you... I mean, myself included, that's why I love your content and I love your food videos because they have a very warm feel to them. And I would love to just dive right into that. Can you tell our listeners about your type of food content? Welcome us into your space. Like, what's your world kind of look like? Yeah, so I consider myself a whole food advocate. So I'm a nutritionist, of course, like everything I do has got that health spin to it. I'm very, very into my wellness. I really do believe that your lifestyle and your food choices has so much power over your life and so much further beyond just your body or your look, but your sort of mental clarity, your mental health, your relationships, your ability to give to others. I really do believe that is, I'm a holistic nutritionist, so that is really what is like all these different factors of life and how they, what you eat affects those things and then vice versa, how those things affect what you choose. Like I've talked about before that your self-worth can affect what you choose to eat, which I think is a conversation that I hope more people have. I think we're really moving away from that, just like oh, food equals skinny or food equals weight loss or food equals weight gain. Like it's so much more all encompassing than that. So that's the sort of message that I really try to get across in my content and through that I also want to inject love into the process of cooking and eating which just sounds like that comes across which is really beneficial for me to know because I think we've come up from a place where like food and body and it's been so negative and I watch so many people have all this stress fear around food and that's beyond just eating disorders even just regular people they have a real negative association with it and I'm like no this is like start that relationship whether it's from grocery shopping to cooking to preparing start that positively and with love and you'll find you naturally 
eat well without having to go, oh no, like, should I have this and that and follow all these rules? So that's really sort of my mission is really to bring that that element to cooking and have people love food and love healthy food. For someone who's at the beginning of their healthy food loving journey, what tangible tips do you have for them to start feeling less fear and anxiety around that? One thing I say, it's a bit sort of out there, which like I think is maybe a bit progressive, but I do think it's important that I say eating food is one of your most simplest and brightest connections with the earth because you're literally taking food that's grown in the earth and putting it into your body and you're taking in whatever energy that is so you know when you look at it that way you're like I want high vibrational stuff like organic stuff that's really close to how it came out of the earth as opposed to this like largely mass-produced food that's in food factories and really only has become it's not like our organic food which is like a gift of nature those processed foods are created for profits of those companies that make them like not for your personal well-being and I just think that's quite a simple mind shift being like what does this food bring me aside from the calories and the macros and the vitamins that's like that kind of scientific aspect it brings me sort of connection to my earth and and that can go you know as far as you want to in terms of connecting to nature but like people we are part of that natural world and so that's sort of a, a simple first shift as to what eating is like it's more than probably what you think of it as yeah so taking that theory of wanting to connect with nature how do you practice that in your day-to-day life or even just saying okay it's breakfast time how can you take that philosophy and that mindset and just apply that to making breakfast or going grocery shopping yeah, so one of the easiest things you can do, I call it to go for the one ingredient foods. Mm-hmm. And these are interestingly, like generally the foods that don't have marketing teams behind them or a package that's going to like tell you how great it is, but it's, you know, it's those silent foods that are actually the best for you. So that's a simple thing you can do is like, what are some one ingredient things I can have, whether that's like eggs or fruit or yogurt or as opposed to cereals and spas and all the different sort of foods that are generally marketed to us as this healthy breakfast. It's like, how can I make something from those one ingredient foods? And also like, what do I feel like? What do I want? Bringing it back to that sort of intuitive connection. I think we're also just so disconnected from the process of food growing. I recently was in Colombia and we went out to this farm and he pulled out this thing of a couple of potatoes on there. And I was like, that's all that comes off of that one thing. I'm like, every time I eat a tiny little baby potato now, I'm going to not devour it and actually appreciate it. And I think seeing food grow firsthand more would have such a mindset shift on people. They knew how much work truly went into growing food and getting it to our table. I'm sure you have a lot to say on that. And I would love to hear your thoughts. I totally, totally agree. I think we're so disconnected. And I've also had quite an urban upbringing. So, you know, I'm the first one to say I am disconnected, but I'm trying my best to sort of bring back some of that connection through knowledge but you can see like that experience I've had that as well where you shift like all of a sudden it's not just these like rows of potatoes and products at the supermarket you're like oh no that's not where food comes from like food comes from the earth and talking about a holistic approach like we've got a lot of content out there that's like how to stop overeating and this and that it's a huge problem and now there's like drugs to stop you from overeating and it's like a really backwards approach because we've missed out out on that connection where you don't see how special that food is and you don't kind of honor it and like like you said like you're gonna really 
focus on that potato that you're eating because you know how much went into it. And that's like a natural way to fix some of our common issues like overeating or mindless eating. That's like an initial thing where you haven't tried too hard. All you've done is you've seen how special that is and you're just naturally not going to overeat. You're naturally going to choose better foods. So I think that's really important as well. Like we we kind of force it too hard with some of this advice of like, you can't do this because we are so disconnected. If we could just all see that, I think we'd naturally make better choices without this force and like, oh, I need to read a book on to stop my overeating and I need to do this and that. Like it would just be a natural way that we live. And if you think about it, it is probably the natural way that we were meant to live and how we evolved. So yeah, I think whatever you can do just to see that, shopping at farmer's markets, I think is such just a simple way to do that. And no one's saying you need to like become a homesteader all of a sudden. And that's not realistic for most of us. But yeah, like prioritize good quality food, go to the farmer's market, tried growing something I've been trying to grow herbs for ages I still can't really do it because like bugs always eat them but I'm like (laughs) I'm trying yeah I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor Rosetta Stone they're the most trusted language learning program out there they've been experts for 30 years and millions of users have trusted them to help them learn second third fourth languages and this is especially timely for me because one of my goals for the year I literally just said this in our Patreon goal setting workshop last week is that I want to learn Spanish I studied German in college and unfortunately I don't get to go to Germany or Austria very often but I have been spending a lot of time in South America and Mexico I spent all of January in Colombia and I loved it so much that I'm going back in April I'm going to Tulum next week and I'm like you know what It is time that I really buckle down and get better at Spanish. If you also are thinking of traveling more, learning second, third, fourth languages, I can't recommend getting started with Rosetta Stone enough. If you would like to get Rosetta Stone and not put off learning language any longer, there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Already Friends listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off for unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. And thank you to Rosetta Stone for sponsoring the Already Friends podcast and helping me in my Spanish language learning journey. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next 
next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. All right, real quick, we want to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered straight to your door. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. We absolutely love Factor. I cannot even tell you how delicious these meals are, guys. And I just love that you just throw it in the microwave. It's ready in two minutes. I've had some crazy busy weeks lately. In all of my free time, I'm wedding planning. I'm trying to eat right for my wedding. And Factor makes it so easy to do that. They have high protein meals, which I love. I'm trying to hit those 30 grams of protein every single meal. And Factor meals do that time and time again. They have delicious snacks, smoothies, and more. I love the coffee and chocolate breakfast smoothie. It's a protein smoothie and it is so delicious. I just can't tell you enough of how good and delicious Factor is. It's seriously the real deal. And if you guys use our code alreadyfriends50, you'll get 50% off. Again, that is alreadyfriends50 for 50% off your first order. And that's at factormeals.com. So go to factormeals.com slash alreadyfriends50 to give Factor a try for yourself. It's seriously so worth it. And we're so grateful to have them as a sponsor of the Already Friends podcast. Well, to reel it back, I would love to hear more about maybe even how you got more into nutrition. Did you always find yourself cooking, loving to cook, finding ways to eat healthy growing up? Or was that something that you had to learn? No, I've always had an interest in it, which I think I don't have that kind of experience of like, oh, one day I like changed my life and I was doing all, like, I just have always naturally found it to make a difference, like even on a small scale and particularly with my mental health, even at the age of like 14, I saw it as something that made a huge difference in just waking up happy. And like, you know, now that's so obvious, we know that that makes a difference, but at the time it was just, I just knew that. So, so yeah, certainly something I've always experienced. Yeah. And I was just curious because like you said, some people have those ah moments where they completely change their life and learn through a mentor or through going to school for it. So I love that it's always been ingrained in you. That clearly comes across in your content that you're very passionate about it and that you have a love for food and you want other people to love what they eat and find that connection with their food and their meals. So yeah, that's great. Beautiful. I'm glad it comes across. It does. No, everyone needs to go follow Liv right now because even I will be searching. I mean, you come up even when I was searching the other day, I was like how to make scrambled eggs or like something with like an egg breakfast. And your video was the first one at the top. And it was your scrambled eggs with your avo. And you're like, I like three eggs. I think that's great. And is that three eggs because of protein? Yeah. Yeah. So I like a really high protein breakfast and that's that's what I roll with. But yeah, I, I think there's no sort of like rule Apart from choosing whole foods, the good thing is you can really make it work for you. That's what I like because it sort of keeps me energized throughout the day. I would love to just walk through your day when you're setting up breakfast or even just your meals for the day, whatever is easiest for you to explain it. How do you decide what you're going to eat each day? Yeah. So yeah, I use that whole food lens first. So everything I pick comes through that kind of, yeah, I guess focusing on one ingredient foods, like that's the number one. So even when I am you know, eating ice cream or whatever it is, having treats, having this, that, the other, I still try to focus on that same principle, which is helpful because it's never something I need to kind of stray from or come back to, which is another thing I'm hoping for people that they can sort of just have something that works for life and not sort of have a strict set of rules that they have to keep dropping off. So that's my number one. My number two is I keep things very simple. Like I I keep a well-stocked household. I've got two stepkids and my partner as well. So we need a lot of food, which is 
bit interesting because we're like constantly buying, but I keep it simple. I, I keep really good quality animal foods, so like wild fish and grass-fed meat and pastured chicken. I keep that. I always have eggs. Then vegetables, no rules. I buy like whatever is in season. I make sure that there's lots of green things and then whatever else is in season, whether it's tomatoes or mushrooms or eggplant or whatever's there. And then I have my pantry staples, which are my olive oils, like nuts and seeds and all my salt and peppers and mustards and things to kind of make things taste good. And then all my meals I build from those three things. So it's really simple. Like it's it's actually a lot more pared back than what most people probably think. And then I have a bit of a meal formula that really works for me, which I can go into if you'd like. And so it's coming back to those just routines and things that are natural for me so I don't need to think too hard. Oh yes, please go into it. <laughs> so my meal formula, this is what I call like it's, again, it will feel really simple, but that's the thing, like eating well is quite simple. Like it's, I think it's been really overcomplicated. So there's sort of five parts. First, I focus on a protein, which is a little bit opposite to how most sort of conventional food I feel like is done. Like normally you would sort of start with like a slice of toast and then you kind of add stuff and then you might go, okay, I'll add an egg for protein. Whereas I start it backwards. So I start with the protein, whether that's an animal protein, like eggs, fish, whatever I've got, meat, or it's a vegetarian protein. So tofu, tempeh, anything like that. Then I add vegetables. I start with like the non-starchy vegetables. So all of your green leafy things, whether they're cooked, raw, again, it's whatever I have. So no real kind of hectic rules there, but that might be broccoli, like salad, kale, whatever it is, asparagus, anything like that. Then I add more vegetables, anything that doesn't sit into that category. So it might be potatoes, sweet potato. Those are two of my favorites, tomatoes, eggplant, mushrooms, literally whatever I have, avocado. Then what else do I do? Then I add a carbohydrate, which will be like a legume, a grain, or mostly for me, I do potatoes and sweet potatoes. And then that's really the bulk of your meal. And then the last stuff is like olive oil, kind of more of your fats and things. So olive oil, avocado, a dressing, a sauce, a tahini dip is probably one of my favorites, which is made from sesame seeds. And all my meals are built off that same formula. And then what I do is I make sure I've got one or two of those in the day and the rest of the day, it's whatever I feel like. So do you say you'd eat three meals a day? Do you know what I don't have? like a regular routine. It can be anything. Sometimes I'll have a small breakfast and then have like a decent lunch or dinner. Sometimes I'll wait and have like a brunch, which will be like a big meal and then a little snack and then dinner. That's normally the options. But yeah, I keep it flexible with depending on my schedule and, and how things are going. With your recipe, you said you work it backwards. Could you explain the importance of why you do it that way? Yeah. So I think the problem with like the more conventional way to do it, which is we start with the carbohydrate first, which is like the rice, the potato, the bread, normally the wrap, what else is there, the burrito or whatever it is. It starts there, that's like the bulk of the meal. And then everything else is just added on top, but it's in such small quantities that it kind of leads us to, I guess, problems with being full and really like a lack of eating protein, which I know people are talking about a lot, but it is quite important, especially with the rise of plant-based diets, which is great, but it's important that element is not lost. So when you do it the other way, like you're really getting a lot of your nourishment from that protein and some of your satiety, which then helps to control cravings. It prevents overeating. That's really, I believe, the way that we were more meant to eat. And what happens is 
often like the bread and like the wrap, whatever it is, sometimes you don't need it because your plate's like full enough with the extra nourishing stuff. And then you add that in if you want it for taste, flavor, if you like it, if it sort of fits with your meal. Yeah, I think it just creates, it's a different way of thinking about things, but it creates, I believe, like a more wholesome way of eating. So could you give us some examples of with these one ingredient meals, what would breakfast maybe look like? You said maybe eggs or yogurt. What does a lunch look like or maybe a dinner? Because again, we just love hearing you explain it and walking through Liv's lens. Yeah, it's always the same. So for my lunches, I'm generally on my own. So I start with that protein. So it might be a can of tuna or whatever I've had last night, which might be cooked chicken or fish or meat, whatever it is. So I start with that protein. Then I add, it's really hot in Australia at the moment. So I'm doing lots of raw vegetables. So then I'll add my salad, which I generally keep like whatever mixed leaves I've got. Then I'll add in whatever extra vegetables I've had. So tomatoes, This, as you can see, I'm like building a salad here. And then carbohydrate will be, I generally keep it low carb for my lunch because I do low carb like first half of the day, which doesn't work for everyone, but I really find it works best for me because I'm really sensitive to carbohydrates and sugar. And then I make a really good dressing with like a really good quality olive oil. Like I think, and I don't measure any of this. Like this is all just done like by eyeballing. I, I really think measuring food is hopefully something we can move away from and focus on what we're eating as opposed to sort of measuring each kind of little mill and little gram. I've definitely been in that phase many years ago and it's reality. It's just a waste of time. So yeah, none of that. And then top it with something crunchy because I like crunch. So that will probably be a toasted nuts. Like that will be my regular, my regular lunch. And then dinner follows the same thing. It's just dinner I'm cooking for lots of people. So I always cook a protein. Like last night I did my fish puttanesca, which is just a nice way to keep white fish like flavorful and interesting. It's got olives and capers. And then I chuck my broccolini in there. So that's like my next part of my meal formula. I know that I've got that. And then I'll make a carbohydrate. So I did uh, like a legume pasta last night, which I just chuck in as well. So again, it's very simple, like not too fussy, but I just make sure I've got those three elements, the protein, the vegetables, the carbohydrate. And then I make sure that I've got those fats in there as well, which I generally cook in olive oil. So olive oil is generally my choice there. Regarding food, what advice do you have for someone to try to eat more intuitively? I know that's like such a buzzword right now, but even not just the portions, but the types of food and how much and, you know, throughout the day, how do you advise someone to do that? Because I feel like the word intuitive is very hard to define. Yeah, I have a few like qualms with the word intuitive I mean I think intuition is great but intuitive eating I can see how that's really difficult it's why I don't tend to say it because I think it's a bit gaslighty in a way like when health professionals are like I'll just use your intuition like eat intuitively because for most people they don't know what that is and especially with food with the amount of emotional kind of shit that goes into how you pick food or what you have access to it's kind of unfair to say to someone I'll just eat intuitively without kind of explaining sort of more of what that is. So I think you can fall into two camps here. Number one is like, I really do try to teach concrete stuff to follow. That's why I'm quite, I guess, honest with what I say. Like when I do, I do give a meal formula. I do give something where people can follow it. I do give like, I have a kind of four things that I think you should avoid in order to eat well. And I'm very happy to say that. And I think a lot of people are, afraid to say that because they're like oh it's going to cause eating disorders and I'm like 
I think if you do it in a healthy way and you've got a healthy audience, it can be okay. So that's my number one is when you are approaching intuitive eating, I think there is a base level of knowledge that people don't have in terms of well eating well that I think is important. That's what I teach is those things. And I always think back to things that I don't know much about, like tech, cars, like all that stuff. I'm like, no, tell me business even. I'm like, tell me the ABCs. Like I don't, if I was like looking for business advice and someone said, I'll just do it intuitively. I'm like, that's true. That's totally true. Like it's got to be aligned to what I'm doing, but I'm like, I'm asking you for advice because you know what you're doing. So I try not to have that kind of privileged knowledge kind of aspect and be like, oh, like just eat intuitively, you know? And a big part of that is that I've got a whole degree in nutrition and I've worked full-time in this industry for eight years that my intuition and my base knowledge is very different to someone else who doesn't have that, who may work in a completely different industry, has a degree in something different. So, you know, it's unfair for me to say, oh, like I intuitively pick that because I intuitively eat a protein breakfast because it keeps me full. When I'm like, I know that protein keeps you full. Yeah, Yeah, your intuition might not tell you that. Yeah, and, you know, especially if someone's got like emotional eating, which we pretty much all do, like it is a very emotional experience. Again, like intuitively, you know, there's a huge, a huge outcome of emotional distress is that we need to pacify. And often we pacify with food because we're unable to feel our feelings. Again, in the moment, you intuitively want junk food, but really, if you were like, could get yourself in a calm state, you would just know that that's going to make you feel worse. Again, another problem with intuitive eating as it's spoken about. And my last problem with intuitive eating is that the food that we have access to is really overproduced and it's very high in sugar and it's literally manufactured to make it addictive so that's sort of like and that's like this is talking about sugar and junk food and colors and all that stuff that is really surpassing our ability to be intuitive because they're designed to for us to not be able to stop eating them which we can all know with sugar like I always say nobody can't stop at one cucumber or piece of salmon yeah but like an oreos it's really hard like you need a lot of self-control and willpower that just is not realistic so yeah i mean i do believe in intuition so to start with i wanted to sort of say that to kind of at least people like i don't want to put too much pressure on people where it's like oh if you can't eat well like your intuition is wrong like it's like i'm like no you, you haven't been set up for success really in the current state of the food industry coming back to that I seek knowledge, of course, like that is what I do. Like I, I talk about this stuff because I do think I can help people. In the same breath, you do need to apply it through a lens of your own kind of trust in yourself, which I think we've really lost. Again, I think that's part of the industry, which is that people make money from like telling you exactly what to do and kind of they, companies make money from taking away your autonomy by saying, you don't know what you're doing. Listen to us. Like, and I, that's like the other extreme, which is really detrimental because people don't trust themselves and therefore they are constantly seeking, seeking, seeking and outsourcing their own body wisdom. So it's a balance. Like, I think you need to seek information, but I do think you need to trust in yourself and also give yourself grace when you make a mistake. Like that is what gives you that inner body wisdom is you go, I tried that. I just did not feel good. I couldn't do it. I felt terrible it didn't work for me like that is really really good information so I would that's how I would approach listening to your intuition your body wisdom is give yourself grace 
try different things, seek knowledge and don't expect perfection. And also really acknowledge how powerful what's called, one of my old bosses used to say an N of one experiment, because in scientific studies, the N number is how many people are in the study. So the more people, the more effective the research is if you study a million people versus three people. But we can flip that on its head and say N of one, which is just you, is almost the most effective knowledge for you because you know it in yourself. You kind of don't necessarily need lots of these scientific studies to prove what feels good to you. This episode is sponsored by Honey Love. Honey Love is revolutionizing the bra game. Can you think of a bra that you actually like to wear? One that doesn't poke you, does not hurt, and that you kind of forget that you're wearing? For me, I'm thinking of my Honey Love bra. I have fully said goodbye to wearing underwire and bulky fabric bras that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. The fabric is super soft and it feels like a second skin and you'll immediately feel and notice the difference. Right now, I'm wearing the silhouette bra and I'm totally forgetting that I'm wearing a bra, but it totally lifts. It feels so supportive. It looks so good under shirts. And it's not like those bras that give you that uniboob effect when you put on a tight shirt or tight clothes. It separates, it lifts, it does everything that a bra should be doing. I'm also obsessed with the shapewear. I have the superpower thong, which is kind of like this mid-stomach shapewear piece. The way that it gives my body this hourglass shape that I did not know that I had and is so comfortable. I have traditional shapewear from a few different brands and they kind of hurt so bad. Within a couple hours, I feel like I can't breathe. But with Honey Love's shapewear, it's so comfortable. It's meant to be able to breathe, to live your day-to-day life in. And I feel like I can definitely use the shapewear for my wedding. So I'm very excited about that. So if you're ready to step into that next level comfortable bra and shapewear, it's your time to get Honey Love. Go to honeylove.com slash already friends and you can get 20% off your entire order with that link. So it's honeylove.com, H-O-N-E-Y-L-O-V-E.com slash already friends for 20% off. Make sure to use that code to show your support of the show. And thanks again to Honey Love for sponsoring the Already Friends podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc that was a big roundabout talking about intuitive eating but you know it's a bit it's a bit gray unfortunately i don't think there's like a real straightforward answer for sure and especially how i mean it's like more of an informed eating slash intuitive like you said you do in that background and especially with sugar i know on your website you have a five-day no sugar challenge can you explain what's inspiring that and even just feel free to share more information about sugar because that clearly is maybe would you say something that's detrimental to our nutrition yeah i think so which i know is a big call but i think it's sugar in the form that it's generally consumed in our current way of life that is detrimental which is highly processed junk food soft drinks and even going into products like one of my things that i say is the health food aisle 
certainly in Australia is like hardly different to the junk food aisle because it's just like all these sort of bars and things that are really have the same amount of sugar as whatever is in the junk food aisle and, and chocolate bars. And my thing is I'm like, if you're going to have sugar, like have ice cream, have something that you love and enjoy, like don't have sugar in your breakfast, lunch and dinner that you think is healthy. So yeah, I do believe we could all benefit from minimizing the amount of sugar that we consume. And this is not including fresh fruit, by the way. I know that triggers a lot of people. They're like, what about fruit? You're saying no fruit. It's like, like you said, it's all about the processed foods. We're not coming for your oranges. Calm. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I was just coming back and I was in the airport and I went to grab a bottle of water out of the fridge and there was one of those Dunkin' like latte things and I could see the nutrition label and just one of those was like 38% of your daily sugar. And I just can't believe how normalized having so much sugar is that people don't even think twice about it. And if you don't know, you wouldn't know. And I just... Was that a coffee, did you say? Yeah, just a little iced, you know, 12 ounce thing. I wouldn't even be surprised if it was more than 38. Because I swear I see ones that have like 60 grams of sugar. And that's like 200%. Like, because I think you're only supposed to have 30 grams of sugar a day. Liv, how much sugar are we supposed to be having a day? You correct me. Fact check me. I think more in terms of like food quality. So in terms of like added white sugar, zero is really what you aim for. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big part of my philosophy is I'm like, I'm not necessarily like if you have an ice cream, like something terrible is going to happen to you. But I'm like, have an ice cream when in your coffee, like at least keep your coffee and your breakfast and your regular food free of sugar and then like indulge in sugar when at other times. My sort of thing with it again is like, I find it really unfair just to say to people like, don't eat sugar because it is designed to be addictive and it's in almost every food that you, or certainly every packaged food. So It is a lot more complex than that. That's why I talk about it because I hope to guide people through this kind of philosophy where it's habit change, it's behavior change, it's mental, it's feeling your emotions. And then on top of that, it's understanding food. It's more sort of all encompassing. It's not as simple as just being like, I'm not going to eat sugar because yeah, it's addictive. And can you just quickly go into the negative repercussions of consuming a lot of sugar? Because of course, maybe we're thinking weight gain, but even the psychological repercussions. Almost everything. Like that's the thing with health. Like you eat well or you're at a better sort of, you've got a better chance of living a better life with less risk of a, a lot of conditions across the board. So eating sugar has does have a few of those like very clear side effects. Like I find mood and sleep is a huge one. Mental health, like if your blood sugar's bouncing all over the place, you do experience symptoms of mental health conditions like depression, anxiety. And, you know, that's like something really important that a lot of people don't talk about. So that is my biggest one. And then your energy and then that flows on to other things, which is that when you are are on that blood sugar roller coaster and you're on that emotional roller coaster that goes with the blood sugar roller coaster, your relationships are affected, your work is affected, your personal well-being is affected, your happiness is affected, your family is affected, like all those things. And you crave more sugar. So it's harder for you to control what you eat. And then you feel bad about yourself because you haven't followed through on the stuff that you said, oh, this morning I'm not, I'm gonna eat well. And it's like, it's just a really bad cycle. Of like poor, I just not feeling good. And I, I want people to free themselves of that. 
thoughts on cutting sugar or trying to wean off of that addiction? Well, this is why I've got a five-day sugar-free challenge, which is free. So I'm doing it on Mar- March 4th Australian time, which I think is March 5th or something. Yeah, so you can sign up for that on my website. You'll see it. But the point of that is that I'm taking people through, A, what to avoid. And I include a few things that are somewhat wholesome and healthy in that list, which is like honey and maple syrup, mm-hmm. which I think are nice ingredients, but the reality is there's still sugar. And if you just replace your white sugar with maple syrup, it's just not going to help you kind of rewire those pathways within you to not actually want in the first place. So the whole thing is designed around instead of being like, what should I do when I get a sugar craving? It's how do I not get a sugar craving in the first place? And that is what creates sort of like this eating well with ease and flow, which I try and create for people and certainly create for myself. I'm not like scrambling like, oh my God, I've got a sugar craving. Like what can I have that's healthy? It's like, oh, someone's offered me sugar. I'm okay. No, thanks. And there's no like, oh, I want that, but I can't, you know, this is what coming back to it, like creates that negative association where you're like, I can't have that. That's bad. Whether it's just, this is just a very peaceful, like, no, thanks. I don't eat sugar. I think I definitely need this challenge because I'm not going to pretend like I'm sitting up here and don't get sugar cravings. Like I definitely lean on the side of a sweet tooth and I try not to keep anything in my house. Like that's kind of how I just cope with it. But I do keep chocolate chips. We're an ingredient family, you know, having lots of ingredients. Me too. Okay, yeah. But like literally three days ago, our chocolate chips ran out and you would have thought that I was an addict. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I not going to have my date peanut butter and four chocolate chips today? So I literally like had to make a cacao hot chocolate to like crave my sugar addiction. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to look at myself in the mirror and be like, what is your problem? So I think you're hitting the nail on the head and you're really speaking to me of no, you just need to figure out how to properly approach the situations when you feel like you really need sugar and kind of rewire your brain because you're so right. It's like the habit loop of something cued me. It's probably finishing dinner or getting closer to that 8, 30, 9 o'clock time where I'm like, okay, something sweet. Here we go. And just rewiring that and finding a different way to replace that hit or that dopamine that I get from the chocolate chips. And I've had that. It's total a dopamine loop. And I found like if I didn't have anything in the house, like I'm not immune to sugar cravings, let me just tell you. But I found this is even like a few nights ago. I had that after dinner where I was like, okay, I don't feel like the stuff I normally have, which is like not sweet, like very, very dark chocolate or peanut butter. I was like, no, I want something sweet. But I didn't have anything in the house apart from fruit, which I didn't want. And I went, I was like, I'm going to have to go to like our little corner store, which is like about a 15 minute walk away to get something. But just getting out of the house and going for the walk, it's still light at night. It only gets dark really late here. And it was like the most beautiful summer evening. And then by the time I got there, I didn't want anything because I kind of I had had that sort of just moment of calm that obviously I wanted from the sugar, like a bit of an outlet or from the sweet treat. And I was just fine. I was like, I literally, the craving is gone. And that was just a really interesting sort of thing that if it was there, I would have just eaten it and forgotten about it. But just having that like nice calm experience of going for a walk in the evening and sort of enjoying the sounds of the earth, just that fed my dopamine. Could we talk about caffeine? We can talk about caffeine, but I am not the best person for this because I love coffee. Yeah. I'm so relieved. I feel I feel safe now. (laughs) Totally. I have a thing that I'm like, you know what? I eat look, I don't think coffee's bad for you. Like I think it's bad for some people. 
I'm like, you know what? I eat so well. Like I love my coffee and I'm going to enjoy that coffee and sort of not place too much stress on myself. And coming back to that individuality, like I've got lots of friends who are highly anxious and get really anxious from coffee. And I'm like, okay, fair. Like you should not drink coffee and be very motivated to not drink coffee. But I, I don't have that. Like I feel great. My sleep is fine. So yeah, I think like for me, I love my coffee and I have it. Okay, well, piggybacking off of that, what about this craze of energy drinks like Celsius, Prime, the charge in the US? We have these supercharged energy drinks that have killed like three people. Terrible. What are your thoughts? Oh my goodness, we don't have those. We have like Red Bull. Do you guys have that there? Yeah, that's our main energy drink. Oh my God, I think those are just horrendous. I'm like a little bit of coffee, sure, but those I just think send your system into overdrive and really unnecessary, but also speak to like, at a global level, like how are we unable to kind of like get through our days or have enough energy like for to live our lives or do the things we want to do? I think sort of comes back to that source of like, what is going wrong here that we need this insane energy drinks? Yeah. Yeah. Huge difference in my mind from those to a cup of black coffee or matcha. A hundred percent. Absolutely. If there's anyone who's addicted to the Celsiuses in the US, people really like their energy drinks. What advice do you have? And maybe why you think they should maybe consider switching to coffee? Oh yeah, I would definitely wean off of those. With caffeine, like I think don't go cold turkey because you'll just have all these withdrawals. But if you just change to a cup of black coffee or like some nice coffee with cream, like that's a much more kind of closer to whole food way to get that caffeine boost. But a lot of that I find it's hard. Like you've just got to stop it for a few days, ideally a week. And then you'll find you just won't want it as much, but it's, it's tough. Like it's not, it's not that easy. I often try and do like a week with no coffee just to sort of reset my energy levels, but I dread it and I hate it. And every time I say I'm going to do it, I don't do it. So I'm like, I'm not perfect. Like I relate to that where you've got these things and you're like, no, I need to have that. And every day when you say you're not going to, you still do like that's the same with sugar that's why I'm like I can extend people grace with this stuff whether it's energy drinks coffee sugar whatever it is junk food I'm like it is not easy to stop this stuff I think how you just said the coffee being close to nature that was the first thing that came to my head is to me those just taste like factory it does I really don't know and I'm not judging shading it like the taste of it I don't enjoy those of energy drinks because it just seems so foreign and so maybe your original advice with food is if you're drinking some of that stuff that just feels so processed and manufactured to where like I love that coffee and matcha and tea, like it tastes so earthy. Um, me too. I love the taste. Yeah. The earth went through to bring that to us. To me, that feels natural that like if the earth made it, it has a place here. But if it was made in a factory, like we probably don't need it. I couldn't agree more. I think that's spot on. And, and sometimes I find like, that intuitive like that is that was your intuition sort of going nah like doesn't taste good like can't be good for you that's where I think intuition is really important that's true like coffee tea matcha they're more natural alternatives that grow naturally on the earth as opposed to these factory made drinks and your taste buds have accustomed to things that are more natural and therefore it's easy for you to say no to like that gross stuff Okay, so I feel like we've hit on a lot of different... I know you said you didn't like having rules, but I feel like we're doing a good wide range of different ingredients, foods, everything. And we briefly touched on... You said you like having a high protein breakfast. Protein is 
all the rage right now. You even mentioned that yourself. And you said that you like that that's a trend. Can you just go into why you like that that's a trend? And for anyone that doesn't prioritize protein, maybe why they should? Yes. So I think it's become a trend as a bit of a pendulum that's, you know, these trends sort of swing from one extreme to the other. And I think it's a bit of a reaction to the plant-based trend, which has just grown so much. And there's so many positives to that. Of course, eating more plants and being more conscious about what we eat. But I think what it's caused is globally there's like an over-reliance on wheat corn and soy mainly which are these like mass-produced crops that are cheap and so what's happened is because left the protein as the kind of like main way that we've ancestrally lived to eat and we've replaced it with wheat so bread wraps and then after that rice beans corn those things are not terrible for you, but there's an over-representation, I think, because of the trend of plant-based diets. So and I think that's caused people issues, number one, with blood sugar, number two, with mental health, number three, with hormonal health, and number four, with energy. And then from that, cravings, like we're not satisfied from what we're eating because it's so low in protein. You know, even think of avocado toast, which is awesome dish. I mean, we've been eating avocado toast in Australia for like like for ages that's like been our main breakfast food but that has no protein whatsoever in it it's just even if you have the best bread and the best avocado and it's still it's not a substantial breakfast so when we have flip it on its head and we have that protein first then you add your avocado and your toast it's like rather than having avocado on toast and then going oh, i'll sprinkle on some nuts for protein or i'll have one egg for protein which is just nutritionally not enough especially as women, where it's really important that we sort of look after our organs and our muscles and, you know, all those things and our hormonal health. What happens is we flip that, you're getting 30 grams per meal is kind of the the thing to reach for. I'm a bit more flexible. I'm like, you should have 20, but as long as in something you're eating, you've got like some decent source of protein in there. And I do believe, maybe controversial, but I do believe that animal protein is easier for us to digest and more dense in nutrition so I think focusing on that it still can be a very small part of your diet because even if you are eating animal protein like the 90% of your diet is still coming from plants so it's very similar to the plant-based diets that people love but you're just adding those really highly nutritious foods back in and I think yeah I think we could all benefit from that and hopefully see better mental health better energy levels easier weight maintenance. I certainly found that when I transitioned from a more plant-based diet to adding in those animal proteins, like my energy levels were bouncing off the walls. My mental health was so much better and my weight, I was so much easier for me to maintain my weight without trying. And nobody wants to be stuck in that phase of like counting every chia seed and every oat just to be able to maintain their weight. Like you really want to feel a bit more free and flexible and you're like, yep, I can be satisfied and sort of not think about it too much and I think it's yeah I think that's a sort of like a big list of the benefits and kind of needs that we can focus on from protein. I felt that all very much in my heart because I ate plant-based for quite a few years and then in the last I don't know six months I started incorporating animal products back in and it was a hard thing to mentally overcome to start eating animal products again. Did you experience that? Do you know what I mean I'll be vulnerable for a second and then because I went through the same thing which is that at the time, and I was doing a degree in nutrition at the time, so it's interesting, like, sort of contrast. But I sort of also, like, because I had all that information that 
plants, 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 like plant-based. And I was doing that and my mental health was the worst by far that it like, and to the point where I didn't even know, I only really saw it afterwards when my boyfriend at the time was like, you are not okay. And I was finishing uni and I was about to go into working full time. And I remember him going, you do realize you can't just like opt out from life for months because your mental health is down the drain. And that is what I did for a couple of years. So when I started to realize that again, unfortunately, a few years after being in that, I went and found, I just became an absolute sponge for knowledge on nutrition and mental health. That's why I've sort of brought it up so many times in this conversation. And all the experts that I listened to, like these psychiatrists, like doctors, nutritionists, but very progressive in the space, almost all of them said that you need to eat red meat to really like, that's what their protocol was to, they, they wouldn't even take on one particular said she wouldn't even take on patients if they weren't willing to eat red meat. And she was treating mental health holistically. And so I was at a stage where I would just do anything to feel better because I knew that like in my soul, in my heart, like I'm a really happy, energized person that loves life. And I didn't have any of those. Like I wasn't experiencing that. And once I read her that she said that, I was like the next day, because I was so desperate to feel good again that I would have done anything. So if it was eating animal foods, I was like, no problem. So yeah, it was like out of a point of desperation, I very much welcomed a new way of eating, but it's certainly difficult for, you know, and it's, it's a, it's not an easy conversation I find and everyone's on a different, different level. Yeah. And it sucks that that's controversial because it's just your story. It's just your experience. And I hate that food is so charged because even you, you're like, I know that I say this, it's going to get some flack. And I just hope that everyone can keep an open mind. No one here is saying that their way of doing things is the right way. I think we're all just speaking from our own experiences. And I totally get why you know that that is controversial, quote unquote, but it shouldn't be. It's just your experience. And if that worked for you, you just want to share that because you know how bad you felt. And that's that was something that worked for you. Yeah. And I think like, hopefully it can give other people a bit more sort of like, it can stop people from feeling bad about changing how they think or about how they eat like this is we're all like in this human experiencing together and no one should be judged or like anything like that like that's what you know like I said I want to create positivity around food and with all that sort of external judgment that's what creates negativity where you're like afraid to kind of eat this or you're afraid to try different things and yeah I'm hoping we can move away from that okay and Liv are there any things that you hope for the future of nutrition a lot as we're saying, a lot of people are learning new things or the pendulum swinging certain ways. And we're coming back to maybe those roots that we used to have of eating whole foods. Is there any hopes that you have for our future of just nutritional wellness for yourself or for our generation? So many hopes. And I, I hope that's sort of what drives me to do what I do every day is kind of working towards that future and what I hope people can experience. But my main one, I think, is especially in women is to people to feel good around food and in every sense of the way from shopping to cooking, you know, and this spans from someone who was stuck in a diet mindset and a rules mindset and needs to just sort of like relax into cooking is good and eating is good and olive oil is good and it's nothing to be scared of all the way to someone who just doesn't have those things but maybe just can't cook and every night is a stress for them because they've got to cook and they don't know how to do it. Yeah, so to bring us all back to people cooking, cooking being normal, 
eating good food, being normal, and then using that as a connection to our our earth and our sort of greater population. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And we'll wrap up with our signature question. As this is the Artie Friends podcast, we ask all of our guests, and you could say just eating good food because that'll make you a good friend. But what to you makes a good friend? Oh my God. What makes a good friend? So many things. I think like giving each other grace, I guess is the word. And seeing, like approaching everything with love, I think is really important and not making other people's sort of issues reflective of you. You know, I think we're all sort of like, I've got very, very close friends in my life and everyone's different and everyone goes through stuff and not everyone's perfect. And so I think we, when things go wrong or something or someone's offended, it's just to like approach that situation with love and just be like, look, I see you. And like, it's not a reflection of me, but you're going through something. And for you, like, that's what you sort of needed to do in that time to help yourself. And it's seeing beneath that sort of stuff, like who someone really is over some of the more superficial things and going, okay, like I trust that this person is beautiful and loves me and cares for me. And anything else is just everyone just experiencing life and making sure that those are, if you do have that sort of close circle of friends or any friends that they tick all those boxes, which is they're a loving, kind person who cares about you deep down. I think we can both say that our hopes in that realm is that everyone can find those people that do exactly just that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Liv. Please plug people can find you. Any other programs or things that you're doing? Again, that sugar-free challenge that's on your website. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at liv.kaplan and Kaplan's with a K. And then on my website, which you can get linked from those profiles, which is livkaplan.com, you'll see my challenge, which is on March 4th, which is free to join. And it's just like a five days. It's pretty lighthearted. It's nothing too crazy, but you'll have the chance to ask me questions and kind of we'll go through those five days together. I do find that commitment and sort of group doing things together really helps with that. Yeah. And then after that, I'm doing a course on whole food foundations is what it's called. So that is where I'll be teaching my frameworks for eating. So if you do want something that's like a step-by-step to follow, that's what will be released in that course. And how else can people support you? You have so many videos, so much amazing content out there, downloads and This episode will be live for years to come. So after your current courses have gone by, how can people continue to support you? Yes, keep in touch with me. I always love hearing from people on social media and subscribe to my email list. That's really where I send a bit more heartfelt, more juicy stuff, like a lot of the stuff we discussed here. My social media, I keep pretty lighthearted because I don't like to sort of air my daily laundry on there but my email list is really where you find yeah more juicy stuff and I like that it's a bit off social media because I just find social media doesn't always create the most healthy mental experience where I feel like this is like away on its own island it's not infiltrated by that and also I'm more likely to reply on my emails because I try to keep myself off social media so I'm more likely to buy my emails. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you again. That was another episode of the Ori Friends podcast and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.